Welcome to the Alberta Wedding Podcast, a platform for Alberta wedding professionals and couples to connect, learn, and share ideas. I'm your host, wedding videographer Kevin Marr. With over 100 weddings behind me, I'm your guide to all things weddings in this great province of ours. Wedding season is officially upon us here in Alberta. I am so excited because I love eating at weddings. It's not why I do weddings, but I love going to the buffet. I love going and stealing a couple of desserts. And I figured who better to talk about desserts than Daniela Tintinalia with uh, Lala Land Cookery. How's it going? Good, good. You nailed it. Good, good. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Practice makes perfect. Yes. My last name usually trips people up, but you did a, you did a great job. Wonderful, wonderful. Thanks for coming on. And obviously, you're a bit new to the scene when it comes to weddings per se, but do you want to just let the listeners in on how you got involved in being a pastry chef and how La La Land Cookery all came about? Yeah, for sure. I'll get started with that. So I've always kind of been uh, the huge baker in the family. So ever since I was little, I was always the one playing around in the kitchen, making cookies, making cakes, everything you can think of, taking lots of classes at a local bakery here in Edmonton, Duchess. So I've taken tons of baking classes there. The thing that really kickstarted this for me was just a very innocent Halloween decorating cookie class at Duchess. So I went with a bunch of girlfriends and... um to say that my cookies were uh, leaving something to be desired is an understatement. They were atrocious, but I had so much fun and I loved the whole process of it. And I just was obsessed. And then from there, I was looking into it. I bought a bunch of books. I did some online courses. I practiced, oh my God, so many times until I got to a place where I was happy. And then that, yeah, that kind of started the whole obsession. That's how I got started with it. And when was that? Like how long ago was this? So this was last Halloween so it would have been 2021. So not this past Halloween, but the Halloween before. And that was the first time I ever touched like royal icing on a cookie. So it's been about a year and a half now. And talk to me a bit about how things are looking right now, because it's been some time now. And obviously, you've been able to evolve and become a better uh, pastry chef and, and really master your craft here. So how are things going right now? Yeah, things are going really well. I'm averaging about four to five orders a week right now. It is, we're looking down into wedding season right now. So that is definitely ramping up. So I'm getting some orders for uh, June and July. Right now, I'm only asking for two weeks notice. I might have to start extending that because I'm starting to book up pretty quickly. But yeah, so things are looking pretty good. It's crazy how, you know, once the ball starts rolling and there's word of mouth and that momentum starts gathering and then it, it just, the orders start coming in and I, I've had to turn a couple down, which makes me really sad. But Now, you talked about your time training at Duchess, uh, but I'm really curious to know why you decided to lean into cookies, because there's obviously a lot of different paths you could have went down. Yeah, that's a really good question. So I do, I'll preface this by saying that I do make cakes and cupcakes too. I do those mostly for friends and family, though. I, I've made the decision not to go into selling those transporting them is just an absolute nightmare packaging. Like it's just not an area that I, I really care to go into. So I do have a big interest in those as well. I've taken some special orders for cookies and cupcakes that match. So just having a variety, which I will entertain. But like I said, packaging is, it's so difficult when you get into the cakes. Royal icing on cookies dries quite hard. Like it has a soft bite, but it's quite durable. 
Whereas the buttercream that you use on cakes and cupcakes is very delicate. So you have to have the whole situation to box it and package it up. And then so much can happen in transit once it leaves my possession. And then it's just too precarious. So I chose cookies because I find them to be a little more durable. Wonderful. No, that's good to know. I I didn't even think about like the transportation of that. And that's something that obviously you have to consider uh, when um, dealing with clients and couples that are having their events all over you know the province. Are you mainly in the Edmonton area or how does like your delivery process go? Yeah, it's um so I will deliver for for a fee per kilometer within Edmonton city limits and then some outside. Like I'll deliver to St. Albert, Spruce Grove, Sherwood Park, Leduc, Beaumont, that sort of thing. Predominantly my orders are picked up right now. Most of my clients pick up my orders. I'm not shipping yet, but right now I am looking into shipping. So it's something that I'm hoping to roll out within the next few months is a way to build the, sh- the cookies and ship them with the caveat that I don't think I'll ever ship floral cookies. So any cookies that have quite a 3D element to them, like florals, or I did a spine for chiropractor cookies that was 3D. These items I won't ship just because they they want to snap off in shipping. I'd be too nervous about that. But more of the flatter designs, I'm looking into shipping right now. Okay, that's good to know. And what is the process, you know, when someone does inquire, just walk me through that whole... I guess, journey for when someone does inquire to the delivery? So my inquiries predominantly come in through Instagram DM right now. So somebody will reach out and they have uh, an inquiry for a design and I'll work with them to kind of tease out what that looks like. And if they have any decorations or a theme, like often for weddings, I'm doing a ton of color matching, design matching. Like they'll have a whole scheme, a color palette. So that makes my life really easy because I can match those. Um, It just takes some knowledge of color theory and mix up the right colors. The harder ones I find are are when there's really no plan. So it's like we're doing a a first birthday party and it's for a boy. And I don't know, I guess the decoration will be green and brown. And I'm like, okay, well, there's a whole variety of greens and browns. Yeah. (laughs) So those ones I actually find to be more difficult because I'm trying to parse out what they're looking for and what is he like? He's one year old. He doesn't have many (laughs) interests, I guess. So those ones are a little more challenging, but so we'll work through a theme and then I'll storyboard some designs and send them over and then they'll provide feedback like, oh, I love this design. I'm not a big fan of this design. So then I'll go back to the drawing board. So we go through two revisions and then I actually build the cookie. So at that point, there's not really many touch points until pickup. And then at pickup is um, obviously a handover. So we go through two revisions and then I actually build the cookies and then send them off on their way. Okay. And I imagine you offer a variety of flavors for cookies. Yeah. So right now I'm offering just... So the most common one is probably just the plain sugar cookie, which actually for me, it's kind of um, a combination of a sugar cookie and a shortbread cookie. I'm not a big fan of just plain sugar cookies. So I make them a little more buttery, a little more floury, more like a shortbread cookie. And I find them to be a little more sturdy as well. I also offer a chocolate chip sugar cookie and a full chocolate sugar cookie. I made for the first time in my test kitchen, a lemon sugar cookie the other day, which I thought was amazing. So I'm excited to introduce that. But my test kitchen, which has been my partner and some of my girlfriends are not big lemon fans. So it didn't go over very well. But I think if there are lemon lovers out there like me who like a little bit more of that sweet tart flavor in their cookie, they're going to love it. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm just sitting here. I'm like, I just want all the cookies right now. Like, just like <laughs> pass them through the screen to me, please. Yes. If, if only. 
<laughs> allergies. Like, I mean, imagine when you're dealing with anything that's edible, like you have to consider people's allergies. And yeah, I'm, I'm curious to know how you approach that. And is this something that during the inquiry process and in your consultations with your couples and clients that these are questions that you're asking them about if there are any allergies or anything like that? So actually the sugar cookie, it doesn't trigger many allergies. The, the most common ones that I get are egg allergies, which if you have an egg allergy or an egg intolerance, I'm not currently offering a cookie. I tried so hard to replicate egg in my cookies and it just, it's so hard to keep a shape. They don't, they just kind of go into a big blob on the cookie sheet. They weren't excellent. <laughs> they were not excellent. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then another common request I get is for gluten-free. So I will do a gluten-free cookie. It's a little more expensive. The gluten-free flour is a little more pricey, but I will only do those for gluten-free by choice. If there's a gluten intolerance or a gluten sensitivity, any sort of gluten allergy, celiac disease, I actually can't legally make those cookies because you have to have separate everything for those cookies. So it would have to be... And I'm a home baker. So you'd have to have a separate entire workspace with tools that have never once touched flour, zero cross-contamination, your cookie sheets all clear. So that's just, it's a huge endeavor that that I haven't taken on. I get a ton of requests for gluten-free cookies, but to those people, you know, I have a couple of gluten-free colleagues who are doing this in the gluten-free space specifically for those who are celiac. So I just leave the business to them and I focus more on what I do, which is gluten-full cookies for gluten lovers. <laughs> and I know this isn't like, I don't want my listeners to twist my words around, but you know, I was going to later on talk about trends. And I wouldn't say like, this is a trend, you know, having gluten-free, but are you seeing more and more requests for dietary restrictions when it comes to your cookies? Yeah, I would say probably 80% of the people who initially reach out and are looking for gluten-free when I ask them, you know, is it an allergy? Is cross-contamination okay? They say that cross-contamination is totally fine. So I would say probably 80% of those requests are not by a need, but by a preference, Mm -hmm. which is great because in that case, I I can totally take those offers on. And I think honestly, and this is not really what you asked, but I almost kind of support that people are going more gluten-free by choice, just because it really helps there be that breadth of available options for those who are celiac. Because I know a few years ago, one of my really good friends, and I, I lived with her, she had really no options, very severely celiac, couldn't even cross-contaminate flour, any of those items. She couldn't even have, I remember she couldn't even eat chocolate because there would be traces of gluten in like regular chocolate bars. She had to get gluten-free everything. There was absolutely no available options for her. So now with this trend, she's able to go and get gluten-free chocolate bars that are truly gluten-free. There's a whole aisle now at the grocery store for her to go grocery shopping. So that's not what you asked, but I love that she has those options now. So I kind of support that people are are asking for it. Yeah, no, I and totally I agree with you in the sense that we're, we're, just the way society has evolved over the years, it, it's nice that there's a lot more inclusion for a lot of things, not just for dietary. But I think on this topic, I think it, it is really important that you're seeing this trend that couples are really looking out for uh, the best interests of everyone. And it's asking their guests for any dietary you know, restrictions above and beyond the normal ones, right? I mean, and obviously with gluten, I mean, there's, as you mentioned, there's 
varying, you know, degrees of, I guess, restrictions or, I guess, preferences when it comes to, you know, what they want to consume, right? So I think that's really great that you're starting to see more and more places offer this. And, and I know you're just getting started and I'm sure as time goes on, I mean, as the requests start coming in more and more for these uh, dietary uh, requests that you're, you're going to have to, at some point, probably evolve too, right? In, in, in that sense. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about inspiration because this is truly an art. Like these aren't just like plain cookies that you're baking. I'm curious to know where you get your inspiration from when it comes to the design element for your cookies. Because uh, if you go to your Instagram page, which I'm going to plug right now, La La Land Cookery, if you go there, I mean, it just they all just pop, right? They just pop off the screen, and I just love it. I'm curious to know where you get your design inspiration from. Well, thank you, first of all. That's very kind. I would say, aside from the obvious, which is especially, you know, for weddings, for showers, any of that stuff, there's usually a theme, and there's invitations. And so there's a lot of kind of collateral that people who are ordering can send me, and I can match that to the best of my ability. But aside from that obvious, there's always going to be I mean, usually for a dozen, a set of a dozen cookies, which I usually sell by the dozen, I'll have six different, four to six designs, depending on what people are looking for. So for six designs, I can only stretch that invitation piece so far. So I have to get a little creative. I honestly find inspiration for cookies everywhere. Like I'll look at textures of plants. I'll look at textures of like artwork, stonework. Like I I did a, recently I did a macrame cookie for somebody who was moving into a new house, they were just like a boho. That was the only inspiration they gave me. So I chose, um, I did a macrame pattern holding a plant and I loved how it turned out and I, I couldn't get the inspiration. So I I literally was just like looking on Pinterest for boho <laughs> decor and I found so much macrame, like hanging holders and I put a plant in it. And so I would say, yeah, Pinterest is a big source of inspiration. I'm involved in, you know, a few cookie or groups on Facebook. So people will share their posts and their cookies and it's it's a great community so yeah i really get inspiration from all over the place textures that i think are interesting all of that what's the i guess the time investment for you when it comes to really baking these cookies and then designing them because these don't look like that are slapped together in a half hour like these take <laughs> a lot of time and dedication right I mean, it's like you don't want to eat eat them right like because they look so good and it's like they're perfect <laughs> they should be, be like hung on walls oh a flower wall with cookies <sighs> yeah i i actually hear that a lot people pick them up and be like i don't even want to eat them <laughs> but that's not what I, I want you to eat them because i put a lot of effort in and i don't just make cookies that with cheap ingredients like they're I use the top everything so that I make sure that they taste good but no that's a really good question I, I do get some pushback sometimes when people inquire about prices and it's been really tough to go off on a little tiny bit of a tangent here it's been really tough as a baker over the past couple of years with all of the increases I mean it's been tough for everybody at the grocery store but particularly for us because already with the time investment and the ingredients our cookies are, are definitely a luxury item like they're definitely mm-hmm. on the pricier side they're definitely an investment. It's art. We do all these cookies by hand. It's not like we have machines that are making these cookies or decorating them. If only. So, 
If only, exactly. And so the prices have had to climb up as well. But the time investment, I don't think people really understand what goes into it. So the actual baking of the cookies themselves, you know, mixing the dough, chilling, it has to chill for a while so that it holds the shape, cutting, baking. That process is probably about one to two hours for a batch of cookies. And then we do what's called a flood on the cookie. So you do like that base layer, whatever's on the background. So royal icing is an interesting beast because it's great. You can have really thick, strong icing for making florals. You can thin it down and make a flood for your base layer, but it does take quite a while to dry. So you'll be, it's usually a a few days process. So you'll bake the cookies. You have to wait for them to cool. You'll mix up your royal icing. You'll mix up all your colors. You'll bag them. We have different consistencies as well. So you'll use a thicker detail consistency for more of you know, your outline on the cookie to hold in the flood or to do like your lettering. You'll mix up your flood icing, which is super thin. That's like your base layer. So you'll always start off with that flood. You'll let that dry for probably about half a day to a day, depending on how the colors can sometimes affect the dry time. And then you'll go in with your second layer. So whether that's the base of your 3D item, like I'll do leaves if I'm doing florals the next day, or I'll do you know, an outline, a background pattern, airbrush something on, and then that has to fully dry, which will be another half day to a day. And then you do your... So everything, as you can see, takes time. So all in from beginning to end, I would say probably for each cookie, it's got about four to six hours invested. I mean, per batch, depending on what the details are. Each cookie, you know, six different types of cookies will have six different designs. Often a whole bunch of colors are mixed. So it does take quite a while. I would say the most complex ones obviously will be those wedding florals. So if there's a lot of florals, those are very complex. So the easier ones would be kind of those flatter watercolor style, which are less expensive. So the florals will be the priciest batch of cookies. And then the cheapest ones will be kind of that hand-painted watercolor. Those ones are are pretty quick because you just do a flood that dries and then you go in with the paintbrush, mix all your watercolors and then go ahead and then you're done. So those ones are definitely, the price reflects the complexity of the decoration. And quantity obviously plays a part too, right? Like the more you request, it takes time, right? I mean, it's like you said, you don't have this big factory that uh, you can just uh, have an assembly line. You're doing this all on your own, I imagine. Mm -hmm. So there's only a certain amount of hours you have in the day. And I know uh, you've got a full-time career on top of this. And so there's also like limitations too, right? I imagine when it comes to how many you can do as an order or... Yeah, right now. So my max order that I will take right now is 200 cookies at a time. And for a 200 cookie order... This is a lot. It's a lot. For a 200 cookie order, I would need a month's notice because it would have to happen in um, batches just to ensure freshness. So I don't let my cookies sit out for more than a couple of days to dry because after a couple of days and I've tested this so the integrity of the cookie will last about two days and then it will start to dry out so I don't let the cookie sit out for longer than that every time I've I've flooded a batch and they're drying out they'll dry in sealed Tupperware so that the cookie stays as moist and soft as possible so it doesn't get dry and and crunchy that's not the goal so when you get to batches that are quite large I have to do them in in turns otherwise I worry about the integrity of the cookie, the quality disintegrating, hoping eventually one day the goal would be to scale out and maybe hire on a secondary baker. I couldn't see myself relinquishing the control of decorating. That's something that I have a very specific style. You're an artist. That I do. Yes, right? exactly. I, so get, I, get I that. couldn't pass that. 
the baking I could delegate, but the decorating I would always keep to myself. Yeah. Because you have your own flair yes. with that. I mean, it's unique to you, right? And so I totally get that. Like with my films, like there's some aspects of my business that I can definitely outsource because no one would know the difference. But people are hiring me for my style and and the way I see things. And so it's tough to relinquish that. And I have outsourced weddings in the past. And, you know, it just it never felt the same. It never felt like it was my work, even though I shot it all. And um, and I still had my fingerprints all over it in the end before I sent it out. It still was never truly me, right? And it's, so I, 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 I can completely understand where you're coming from when it comes to having that creative control. That's what we do, what we do, right? You know, it's, yeah. you started with a passion first. It wasn't the business, it was the passion first. And um, I think that's where you have to, you know, continue to lead with. Yeah, definitely. And it's hard to, it's hard to send cookies out of the door that, you know, I didn't really have, have that decorating. Like I wasn't in the driver's seat for the decorating. Cause I, I think that that's kind of what I put into the cookies. Like I feel like anyone can bake the sugar cookies, but what goes on top of them and, and the thought and the inspiration and the storyboarding and working with the client to tease out what they're going to look like. That's the part that is very rewarding and very fun. And I'm passionate about, I'm not passionate about, you know, mixing the flour and the butter and the sugar together. I'm passionate about bringing what starts off as just like a very two-dimensional cookie into this whole thing with its own life. As corny as that sounds, that's where my passion is. I can see the story in the cookie and, and kind of bring that out. And it's, you know, these are people's like most important days of their life sometimes. And my cookies get to be a part of it. So I'm just very, I'm very attached to them in that way that I have to be in the driver's seat. And that's how the cookie crumbles. <laughs> how long have you been waiting to say that? <laughs> I, I've been waiting for so long. I was like, I had to find a right moment for that. So <laughs> anyhow, you were talking a little bit about investment and like, obviously, depending on the complexity of the design and the uh, makeup of the cookies, it changes. So I'm curious to know, like, what's the good price range that couples can expect just so they have a ballpark heading into these uh, discussions about uh, desserts? Yeah, that's a really good question. This is one of my top asked questions as well. I would say a good ballpark range for per cookie is somewhere in that, like I would say for a very basic cookie, you're probably not looking at less than $4 a cookie. And for really a more advanced, complex cookie, you're going up to that $6, $7 range, depending on size, depending on complexity. So definitely a luxury item. This is something that it's not, you know, you're, you go to Safeway and buy like a pack of cookies and take them home. Like (laughs) this is something where each one's hand decorated. And so, and then the ingredients, obviously, and the time that is invested in it. So definitely in that range, I, I sell my cookies by the dozen. I know some cookiers will take custom orders of numbers, but I like to stick with dozens. It helps me with my, my backend and my accounting and stuff like that as well. So I usually go on the dozen, like I, I'm building a set right now for a bridal shower. This one is very complex. I can't wait to share the photo though. They're going to be stunning. So there's a lot of, there's um silver glitter, there's isomalt, which is a compound that you can use in baking that creates like a very crystal clear, but edible kind of like a like a taffy almost. Oh, wow. And so I'm using a lot of isomalt in this one to make rings, like ring cookies. And then I'm using edible lace, which is another compound, not to get too far down, down that road. But these ones are going to be very intricate. And these ones are in that uh, six 
I believe, $6 a cookie range. And these are quite complex. So if you're up at that end, then you know that you're spending that money. But if you're just going for, you know, probably the standard is around that $4.50 to $5 per cookie range for a standard set. Yeah. And obviously it is a luxury. And if couples are really looking to go against the grain or really offer their guests, you know, a luxury experience, you know, that can mean a lot of different things, right? And this is just one element to the wedding that can really elevate the whole vibe. And so I'm curious to know how couples can really lean into showing off their personalities and and getting creative with their cookies. Because I know you do a lot of different designs and you really take the time to get to know your couples and, and do all the storyboarding. So what are things that like couples can do? Like, What are some options that, that couples can uh, look at for this? I would say the most popular request for wedding cookies, and it's not always the prime dessert at the wedding. I think oftentimes they're like a supplement to the cake table or very common is handing out as wedding favors. So I'll package the cookies individually, heat seal them on my end, wrap them up, and then they give them out as party favors at the end. And so Mm -hmm. usually those ones are, it's a large order. They're all the same. I often get some variation of the couple's initials in like a plaque cookie. There's usually rings on it. I had one cookie that I, I thought was really, I loved. And my client came up with this idea and I was able to bring it to life, was a cookie of a calendar. And on the calendar was the month of their wedding at the top. And then the date of the wedding was circled with a little two rings, like two of the wedding rings. And then there was florals along the side of it. So that one turned out awesome. And they were thrilled. Got a lot of, they got a lot of good feedback from, from their client or not their client, sorry, their friends and family, their attendees. So that was really fun. Um, But aside from that, yeah, initials is popular. That calendar one, I really want to do more of. I want to take that to the next level. And then, oh, I had one. This was really fun, which came in too late. It couldn't pan out. I just didn't have the time to do this set. But they had uh, their dog was their flower boy. And so they really wanted to do a themed cookie that had their golden retriever on it, which had the rings around his neck. And I loved this idea. And I so, so badly wanted to do it. But it was in one of my busiest weeks. So I, I just... And it came in too late. So I just couldn't bring it to life. But I still think about that one. And I one think that got still, away. It was my white whale. I wish that I <laughs> I wish that I could have done it because I, I would have absolutely loved that. But we can really get as creative as possible. I usually like to ask my clients, what's something special about your wedding that sets it apart from everyone else's wedding? And they'll always have an answer. There's always something that you know, nobody wants to have the same wedding as, as everybody else. There's always a unique feature. And so I, I like to kind of focus in on that and really bring a cookie to life that focuses on that thing they want everyone to remember. Because these cookies, when they're heat sealed and they're packaged up, these cookies can last forever. So they can be kept... Well, like I said, I'm putting them up on the wall, right? Like I'm not yeah. <laughs> eating them. I'm just... <laughs> Staring at them. Yeah, yeah so they, they make great keepsakes. You know, if they're heat sealed and they're not disrupted, then they can stay there for... I haven't tested this, but I would imagine years you got that cookie as a keepsake. So if you have the self-control to keep it and not eat it, I like to um, send them home with with that. I'll make sure that there's at least one extra for the bride and groom because they never order one for themselves. So I have to make sure that Baker's they does get one, one, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, no, that's great. And I guess when it comes to shapes as well, you they're not your, your typical just round cookies. I mean, you've got all sorts of shapes. And so... In that sense, I guess, 
Obviously, you've invested a lot of money into this. Like these aren't things that you can just pick up from the store. And so I'm I'm curious to know like how you've been able to evolve when it comes to like just like the shapes of your cookies. Like they don't even look like cookies. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm looking on your Instagram right now. They don't look like cookies. I but they're edible, right? And it's I'm yes. curious to know like I guess that process and and really like leaning into like the different shapes because I, I imagine as well from the a foundation baking perspective you and I've watched enough like baking shows on like the food network to to see how things can go from bad to worse if if not <laughs> built properly so yeah uh, do you want to touch on that a little bit or so I'm maybe just now starting to see the value in specialized cutters because I was always a big proponent of, you know, you have maybe 20 to 30 different shapes and you can use those shapes to make anything because you you basically decorate on top of the shape. You don't necessarily have to have a shape. Like for example, right now I'm, I'm storyboarding a taco themed bachelorette party cookie. So Mexican fiesta themed. So it's a lot of fun. And I was thinking to myself, well, I could just, you know, you can make a taco on top of a square cutter or, or a plaque cutter or some sort of like frilled scalloped edge cutter. But I was thinking about it and I was like, you know what? No, I, I just really want a taco cutter. Like I want a cutter that looks like a taco. I want to make this taco the whole cookie. So all this to say, I never was really a big proponent of getting those specialized cutters because then you end up with a hundred thousand different cutters that you may use once or twice. And I just never saw the value. But now I think I'm starting to branch out and start to get more of those specialized items. So I think that um, much to my partner's dismay, who's a, who's quite a minimalist, um, <laughs> hates, absolutely hates clutter, hates stuff. I'm starting to accumulate quite a few cutters. I was thinking of investing in a 3D printer so I could um, print my own cutters. And he's not very happy about that, but um, I'm happy about that. So that's what really matters at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> right. You know, and uh, you, know, you throw some cookies his way and uh, his uh, tune may change. Yes, exactly. He's actually, he used to be a big fan of cookies. He's quite a, a, a bit of a sweet tooth. And uh, now it's to the point where I'm like, can you try my new cookie recipe I tried? And he's just sitting there like, I think of the Grinch when the Grinch yeah. is getting carried around in the chair and everyone's shoving like the yeah. pie in his face. And he's yeah, like, oh, yeah. that's, that's no my more. I can't handle yeah. it. <laughs> he's like, I don't want to eat another cookie for the rest of my life. So he's a hard it's like, mark. I love you, but I was yeah. like... <laughs> I can't do anymore. That's it. He's definitely a hard, uh, he's a hard market for me to test out my creations, but um, I need to branch out. Yeah. So aside from obviously, you know, being on the podcast and just word of mouth, how have you been able to get the word out? Because I, I truly believe that, you know, the word of mouth is really important and it's probably the, the best advertisement you can ever have. But are there other ways that you're getting your word out there? Because I think, honestly, I love supporting local. It's one of the reasons why I do this podcast is having, you know, small business owners on like myself and give them a platform to, you know, share their passion. So can you just t- touch on that a little bit on just yeah. how, how you've been able to market your business so far? Yeah, well, obviously, I have to say as well, as a small business, a local small business in Edmonton, I'm the same as you. I, I always try to support local. I think that um, there's always a small coffee shop that, would do a lot more with your money for your coffee than like say Starbucks, who's they're not going anywhere. They're just kind of a huge conglomerate. So I, I love that. That's your your vibe. 
I would agree with that. But yeah, the other way that I, I kind of get the word out there is, um, and I haven't touched on this yet, but I also do make, I call them, they're like artisanal stuffed cookies. So I branch away from sugar cookies and I bring these cookies to markets along with my regular decorated sugar cookies. So I'm doing one coming up here June 3rd and 4th. I'm at a local market called Holy Handmade in Edmonton. So this market, I'll be bringing some sugar cookies for that time of year. I'll always try to match it to um, the season. So at this time of year, I'll be bringing like teacher cookies. So um, thank you cookies for teachers, some graduation cookies with, you know, a grad cap in the year 2023 on it. So I'll bring um, some sets of decorated cookies, but I also, my, my main item is my stuffed cookies. So I make quite a few different flavors. The popular, the most popular ones at the markets are the lemon cookie stuffed with cheesecake. So if you like lemon... Like obviously that's a divisive one from from my experience, but I love lemon. I also have a Kinder Bueno stuffed one, which I replicate the white hazelnut filling of a Kinder Bueno. And I put that in a cookie with some chopped up Kinder chocolate in it. And then I have a mini egg one stuffed with Nutella. And so these cookies do quite well at those markets as well. So that's another way I get the word out there. Those cookies, um, they can be ordered as well. So they're not, they're not my like flagship item, but I have had people request, um, especially for, you know, dessert tables and stuff, the decorated cookies and some of those stuffed cookies as well for grabbing. Yeah, no, I, I love that because, and do you want to uh, share the, um, the market again that you're going to be at? Uh, because when this podcast uh, does go live, it will be a couple of weeks out from that uh, market. Yes. So it's called Holy Handmade. So Holy spelled um, W-H-O-L-L-Y. And it's held in Sherwood Park. I'd have to verify that this one's in Sherwood Park, but generally they're held in Sherwood Park. Yes, it is. Okay. I just double checked. Strathcona County Community Center, the Agora. So June 3rd to June 4th. And uh, I'll be there along with, I think it's over 120 other local businesses, artisans, craft makers, so everything at the market has to be made at home. That's that's kind of the rule. And so there's going to be lots of bakery items, lots of, you know, handmade things. So great opportunity to support local. I love that. And so uh, beyond the market, how how is this year shaping up for you? I know you mentioned at the very beginning that things are picking up, but I'm curious to know how the rest of 2023 is uh, shaping up for you. Yeah, it's going really well. I had... Um, so for me right now, all of May is booked solid. And then the first half of June, I'm only taking one more order. And then past that, I I only have, you know, a few bookings here and there. I've got a few in July, a few in August, but I do have availability. So as of the time of this recording, at the end of April, I have openings from June on. So early June, I only have one left. And then past that, it's relatively open. So I would recommend anyone who wants to place an order to get it in very soon because these um, requests come in and I probably get maybe 10 or so requests in my DMs a week for cookies and maybe about half of them pan out either price puts them off or it's just not enough time for me to make it or they're trying to book in a time when I'm booked solid. So depending on what happens, I can't get to all the orders, but um, the sooner the better. Yeah. I know you mentioned about having at least a month out at the bare minimum, but probably if you really want to make sure that your order goes in and, and there's no uh, hiccups along the way, further out, the better. Yeah, I would say two weeks minimum. One month would be for orders that are maybe 100 cookies or more. I, I would absolutely need at least a month. But if it's just, you know, one, two, three, four dozen, 
then two weeks is fine. Okay. No, that's good to know. Now, before we press record, we were talking about uh, potentially sharing a uh, funny story you had that uh, maybe some of our listeners may want to uh, turn this off because we try to keep this uh, episode uh, PG rated for the most part. But you have a funny story that uh, may uh, really uh, raise some eyebrows here. Yeah, I would suggest um, it's not super explicit, but I would definitely recommend, you know, maybe if there's kids around to um, turn this off and pick it up when they're not around. If that's if talking about genitalia is strange for them, then maybe, yeah, you want to shut this off or, or for you if it makes you uncomfortable. But I, yeah, I, I do have a funny story and it, it does involve um, my cookie sick partner now. But towards the beginning, so we're talking soon after that very initial Halloween cookie decorating class where I I fell in love with cookie decorating. It was probably my first attempt at making royal icing at home. And royal icing is kind of a tricky thing to make because you have to use, you know, enough meringue powder to make it have that hold. Like, you know how you make egg white meringue and it has to have that really stiff peak at the top in order to make it. So towards the beginning, I wasn't nailing this. I wasn't really getting the stiff peak that you need for your royal icing. So I mixed up some colors and I was like, I'm going to make rainbow cookies. So I made some cookies. I flooded them. It was very bumpy and very strange. And I made some rainbows with a bunch of colors. Unfortunately for me, if you can picture a rainbow arch, but my icing wasn't stiff enough. So all of the pieces of the rainbow kind of blended into each other and made just like a big blob. And the bottoms of my rainbow arches had fallen into each other. So if you can picture this, I had like a rainbow arch with the legs of the rainbow had blobbed into each other. So I was like, well, that's not great. But you know what? I'm learning. It's fine. I went up to go for an early night. I was like, I'm going to call it here. I left them on the counter. So my partner comes home and he comes upstairs to bed and he is trying to be supportive. Um, I'll, get, I'll give him that credit. He's trying to be supportive. And he goes, I really, I think that those vulva cookies that you made are very nice. You did a really good job. Why are you making vulvas on cookies? Why would you do that? And I couldn't for the life of me figure out what he was talking about because I went to bed and they looked relatively like rainbows. So I'm like, what are you talking about vulva cookies? I came downstairs to a tray of honest to God vulvas. Like all the colors had blobbed together into this interesting pink brown shade. And there was like a, a lump on the top where if you can picture a vulva, where you mm-hmm. can imagine the anatomy would be where your clitoris is. So there was a perfect clitoris part in these rainbows the vulva had expanded around and made a nice... So I had a tray full of vulva cookies and I, I didn't know what to do. I was going to give these rainbows to my niece. It was her birthday. So I was making these rainbow cookies. So I was like, I cannot give her... She's eight years old. I can't give her these cookies. So they were just always the vulva cookies. I ended up feeding them to my friends who had a good laugh at it because they looked like perfect vulvas. But I ended up keeping one of them and my partner was like, you have to keep one of these. Like, this has to be like your bear. You know how people share, they keep their first dollar. Mm-hmm. So I kept my first cookie, which was a vulva. So I heat sealed it and we still have it to this day. It's downstairs and it reminds me of how far I've come. So I was um, thinking maybe one day I might share it on social media if Instagram doesn't ban me because it does truly look like I was trying to make a vulva. So yeah, it was my first foray. I love it. That's a good one. And... I was trying to picture in my head. I'm like, yeah, I mean, you got to start somewhere, right? And you've come a long way. And I'm really like 
excited to, to share this episode with everyone because I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be uh, chomping at the bits to uh, uh, reach out to you. So where can uh, people find you? Is Instagram the best place? Yes, I'm I'm working on on developing a website, but it, it's not ready to launch just yet. But there will be an announcement on my Instagram when it is ready, hopefully at some point this summer uh, with a form and everything for intake. But for now, the best place to find me is on Instagram at La La Land Cookery. So La La Land and then C-O-O-K-I-E-R-Y. And that's that's the best place to to reach out. Just um, DM me if, if you have any inquiries. Hopefully I can and accommodate. You can confirm there's no... Uh vulva-shaped uh, cookies on your <laughs> grid right now, so. I can confirm. There are no vulvas on my grid, and I can also confirm that I'm much better now, and I think my pictures can prove that you don't have to worry about getting a an interesting vulva cookie if you order a rainbow. I can make a rainbow now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much again, Daniela, for uh, coming on here and uh, sharing your story and, and your passion for uh, cookies I really can't wait to see where uh, your business goes from here. And yeah, I you're going to have to send me a dozen now. Maybe 13. <laughs> okay. I can give you a baker's dozen for sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me and, and for asking a bunch of insightful questions. It was, It's always fun to talk about my passion. Thanks. And uh, we'll chat soon. Okay. Thanks, Kevin. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Alberta Wedding Podcast. Each week, I will pull back the veil and introduce you to the faces behind the brands that you love in Alberta. Your feedback matters. It would mean a lot to me if you could leave a review and let me know what you think of this episode. Until next week, stay well and be merry.